What's up, everybody? Jay Miller here bringing another Productivity in Tech podcast. Now, a lot of people have wondered, like, Jay, what is it that you do? You see, I am an editor slash automator slash lots of other things, and I call myself a multi-potentialite. And one of the things in that potentialisms, uh, making up words now, I guess I'm a wordsmith as well, but one of the things that I also do is I scour the internet looking for interesting people in tech to talk to about the things that they're doing and more importantly how they're managing to get it all done and this week is no different Uh, we're continuing down the illuminated bits chain we started with ish from capsicum and then we moved to the designer heidi helen who helped make that app but also just launched her brand new app when did i and now we are talking with the developer that helped make that app a reality, Kyle Cronin. Kyle is a former web developer turned iOS developer who is learning through launching. And we talk a lot about the process that he has taken to get to where he is today, as well as the apps that he has built in the process over the last couple of years. And this was a conversation that was very, very hard to edit because of so much good value in it. This is one of the first times where the after show isn't the only bonus content in the podcast. There's about another hour of content inside of our normal recording time that I had to cut because it was just so long. We had about two and a half hours uh, to talk about many different things. Um, Apple's take on developers, uh, what it's like to build apps for people, what it's like to run a business, what it's like to do things on the side while you're working for someone and, and trying to turn that into a business. And then we also talk about tips for landing that job that you've been trying to get or whether you actually should try to get that job. But if you want to learn more about that, you have to head over to productivityintech.com memberships and become a member today. It not only supports productivity in tech, but it also helps me know that you are liking the things that I am putting out and I will continue to try to find more and more content like that. But you didn't come for an ad read. You came for a great conversation and I've got one for you. So here it is, my conversation with Kyle Cronin. All right, perfect. That easy. (laughs) So yeah, um... As I've, as I always tell people, this is, it's really, it's really cool, uh, set up because I, I literally just have a conversation. Like it's not a, it's not a, I'm going to, you know, sit down and ask you a question and then like take five takes to, to get the perfect answer. It's, it's always weird. Like when you, you can tell when that's happening, um, in, in a podcast, I genuinely like to just get to know more about, uh, my guest. So I am going to start with you. You did mention, and, and this is this is kind of a good way for you to to talk about some of the apps that you you've helped to make. But uh, you mentioned something in there that you've worked with multiple designers mm-hmm. um, on these apps. So what, yeah. what's it like? Um, I guess do you have any say on the design part, or do you just like strictly do the development side? Oh, I do. I do have a lot of input. Um, I, I like to think that I have an eye for design, um, but I'm sort of less successful at actually kind of, you know, blank screen, you know, come up with something. Um, but, you know, if, if a designer kind of comes to me with a design, um, I I usually have lots of feedback, you know, sometimes you know, maybe, maybe to a point that the designer is like, okay, like, can we, can we just build this please? Um, but I do think that like that ultimately at the end of the day, the, the goal is to make the best product possible. And, and, you know, my, my feedback is, you know, geared toward that end. You know, it, it's interesting that it's kind of like that. I'll, I'll know it when I see it kind of right feeling like I, I don't know what good design <laughs> is, but I know it when I see it. Yeah. <laughs> 
right. I can't tell you how many iterations we've done. Uh, we did uh, for the um, logo for um, when did I? Um, I think it's like the seventh or eighth iteration is what we actually end up going with. And I just, just kept on like, oh, this doesn't look quite right. Can we make this change? Can we make this change? Or sometimes I'll ask for a change, um, you know, either for the logo or something else. And then the designer will go and make it. And I'll be like, no, I've decided I don't like that after all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, and, and, you know, that's interesting, too, because there are a lot of applications that are like great apps with terrible logos. Yeah. Yeah. And, like I, I always think about that. I mean, like Slack changed their logo, and and it was like, all right, I'm finally used to the, the multicolored Octothorpe, and now you're, <laughs> now you're giving me the four ducks. <laughs> oh man. Um, we talked earlier about you d- developing two apps. Tell us a little bit more about those apps and what kind of gave you, the, I guess, the inspiration to, to develop them or at least to help develop them. Sure. Yeah. Um, so the first app I started, uh, working on, well, I guess technically the first app that I, I ever put out, uh, is called activity glance. You know, I built it in, in a few weeks. It was my first app. It was basically just trying to learn my, learn the ropes of, of doing iOS development. I haven't updated it in more than a year. I think it, you know, I put it out sometime in like May of last year. Um, that'd be 20, uh, 2018, um, in case people are listening to this podcast far in the future. Um, but sort of the two apps that I'm still currently working on, uh, the first one I started working on is called when did I, and it's an app I've, I've been working on with a, a developer, sorry, a designer, uh, based in Australia, um, named Heidi Helen. Uh, uh, but we, we met at, uh, the layers conference, uh, that is sort of hosted concurrently with WWDC in June. Um, we met at the, the one in 2017 and, uh, it's like a design conference. Um, I didn't get into WWDC, so, you know, I still want, kind of wanted to, you know, be part of the festivities. Um, and so I went to layers. People have, you know, had said very positive things about it and I have to agree excellent conference. Um, anyway, uh, met Heidi there. Um, we just sort of kept in touch over the, you know, next year or so. And, um, I, you know, I, after I had, I had put out activity glance, I was talking with her and saying, you know, Hey, you know, I, I'm looking to build another app, you know, do you have any ideas? Um, and we kicked a few ideas around and she came up with the idea to track when you do things. Um, it's a really simple concept, but it's just something that, uh, you know, I was, I was kind of struck that like, you know, there aren't really any sort of apps out there that are, are in this space, or at least none, none that are well known. Um, and, and it serves a really useful need for, you know, myself, for her, and, and presumably, hopefully, for a lot of other people. Um, so we started working on that uh, last summer. And, you know, it's kind of been off and on since then. Um, we finally put it out at the, in near the end of May, uh, this year, 2019, uh, shortly before, uh, WWDC conference this year, which I was very fortunate to be able to get a ticket to. So I finally, finally was able to go my first WWDC. It was, it was very exciting. Um, but yeah, no, it, it, you know, it's, it's a surprising, it's, it's a simple concept, but there's a surprising amount of complexity to it. Um, you know, because, you, you put in the actions that you want to track. So if you want to track when you change the sheets or when you change the oil in your car or when you took the vitamins today um, and you just tap the row to indicate that you've done that thing. Um, but we've kind of taken it a number of steps further than that. So, you know, we don't just track the latest time uh, that you did something. We could track all the times that you did that thing. And so you can reference your history for all those things. But uh, yeah, well, I'm, I'm, we're pretty proud of, of, of it. And um seems to be doing pretty well so far. So yeah, it's an, it's an excellent app and it's one that I, I now open every day and I, I, it's weird because now I have reminders that tell me to do things. And then I have, when did I, that tells me the last time I actually did it. (laughs) And and it, it's weird because I, I feel like, wow, it'd be really nice if I just, if I got a notification to do this, right? but then it it becomes a reminders app. (laughs) At that point, and I'm like, well, I, I do want that, but I don't want that at the same time. Um, I, I will say that that is something that we are talking about. Um, I, I think that 
you know, there there is a potential for for a future feature in there. Um, you know, the timing and and sort of how it manifests are sort of still up in the air. Um, but I do think that you know some basic form of reminders, especially like I want to make sure that I do this thing every six months. I want to make sure that I change the batteries in the smoke detector every six months or something like that. Like if it goes more than six months, maybe we should tell you, um, just stuff like that. So, um, you know, I would say that, you know, there, the, the app that you see, even though there's, again, like I said, a lot of functionality, um, there is still more that we, you know, have thought about that we haven't yet had the opportunity to design and to develop. Definitely. And, and not to, not to even, to knock the app for that. Cause I think that, and I, I mentioned this to Heidi, like it's the thing that makes it so wonderful is its simplicity and that it isn't, you know, me changing the oil, you know, in six, at least every six months, isn't something that I necessarily need to put in my to-do list or put in my project manager, but an app like when did I, that just tells me like, if I hear a knocking in my car and I go, okay, when was the last time I, I, you know, changed the spark plugs or when was the last time that I got a, you know, I just took it in to, to be serviced and I can go and, and get that data really quickly. Or as a parent, you know, one of the things that we do is we track when our daughter is like sick or like if we, if she hasn't had like a, a really, you know, really full diaper or something. We're like, Hey, you know, I haven't had to change her diaper, you know, in like a day. <laughs> like that's not good. <laughs> um, and, and that's where I think, like you said, having those notifications and having that history and that trail, we can say, okay, well on this day, if you look here, we did this four times, but then on this day, it was only like two. Um, you can start to, to get some information that can be used in, a myriad of ways. And I think that really, um, that's really cool. And you mentioned that this was like, that this was an idea that Heidi had. And when you, when you made your first app, you know, it was, it was an app that was just kind of, you know, Hey, I want to learn how to do this. Let me, let me figure out how I can, you know, sync, you know, activity data and, and then view things on the watch and, and pull all that information. How different was it working on a project that wasn't your idea versus a project that was your idea? Uh, it was different. Um, and, and I would say largely in a positive way. Um, it is so helpful to have someone that's thinking through the same, you know, problem space that you can bounce ideas off of. Like, you know, she'll come up with an idea. She'll talk to me and I'll say, oh, that sounds like a good idea. Maybe we can do this. And it's really hard to do that alone. Um, or even like if, if you just sort of have a casual conversation with someone else, you know, like dinner or you go to a meetup or something like that and you, you're talking with them, you know, you, you can't really load in, you know, everything you're thinking about into their, into their mind and then sort of be able to bounce stuff back and forth. And so that's, you know, that's why I just, I found it so valuable to have been able to work with, with someone else, um, on this application. And, you know, largely I think that, you know, going forward, uh, my goal will be to try and work with, you know, at least one other person on, on future apps, just because I, I think that, you know, it, it makes them like 10 times better. I think that's an area that I'm still working on as a, not a solo business owner. Um, for those that don't know, Pitt is official is an official business. Um, we have a business license and everything else. And we have clients that we work with providing editing and consulting and automation services and basically the stuff that I like to do for fun. Uh, but my wife is also a part of the business and she has recently started helping with editing. And it's so interesting in not only are we able to do more work, or I guess we're able to do more work in the same amount of time as it took me to do it by myself, but there are often times where she will catch something that I missed, or she will listen to something and go, hey, why did you leave this in? Or what do you think about clipping it like this so that it's, you know, it's saying the same thing, but more efficiently. And and I'm like, oh, I never thought, I didn't think of that, you know? And <laughs> I, I think that's where having having a second set of eyes 
definitely helps, even though when it comes to the development side of things, I, I have always been like a solo developer. And that's not a, a, a pride thing. That is more of a, I've, because I've never held a developer like only job, I still have so many, uh, so much anxiety around the areas that haven't been uh, fine tuned by working in a professional environment as a developer. Oh yeah. So I, you know, I, I, I think I said earlier that, you know, I have three apps out there and I told you guys about the first two. Um, so, uh, the, I, their third app is an app called slay it, um, that, uh, I, I've been working on. Um, I, you know, I was getting, just getting together with, um, a friend and, you know, she is a freelancer and, uh, you know, work was a little slow at the moment. And I, so I said, Hey, we should build an app together. Do you have any ideas? Um, and, and, and she, you know, thought about it for a little while and, um, she came up with this, this idea again, really simple concept. Um, but so she, she's part of a Facebook community, um, that is sort of, you know, empowering women to kind of, you know, help manage their, you know, exercise and, and eating and that kind of stuff. So kind of like a fitness community. Um, and, and something that this community does is they have this, like, a you know, some of the members will post a calendar. Um, and on that calendar, they have little emojis that indicate whether or not they exercise on that day, whether or not they ate right, or whether or not it was an oops day, that kind of stuff. And, you know, she said, you know, a lot of these people are basically just um, taking a screenshot of the previous day and then they're manually putting emojis on the next day. And then they're taking a screenshot of that and posting it. And it's just, you know, so much work to do that. And she said, well, what if we, we built an app for that? And so I said, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Um, and, and so it was earlier this year, um, you know, put out a really simple kind of 1.0 app that does basically exactly what I, what I mentioned, um, you know, it's a calendar, you can tap on the days and you can, um, input, um, you know, how, how good you were in terms of exercise and, and eating, uh, on those, on those days. Um, and that was kind of before the big push to get, uh, when did I out the door, um, and, and released. Um, uh, but, uh, now I've actually transitioned back to working on the next iteration of that. Oh, by the way, the, the name of that app is called slay it. I should probably tell people that, um, <laughs> you can find it in, in the iOS app store. Um, and so now I've transitioned to, to back to working on, on the next version of slay it. And Heidi is, uh, spending a little time working on capsicum. So, um, I think it kind of flows really well where, um, you know, for, for none of us, um, are, the apps are, that we're working on are really the only thing that we're working on. So, um, we're able to like, if one person or another is busy, you know, we have something else we can work on. So, you know, that, that makes me think of two things. So I'm going to try to remember both of them. <laughs> just remind me if, if we just keep going on tangents, like, no, you had a second thing. Um, the first thing on that was that th that app slay, it came from, a Facebook group and someone that had, you know, time and ability. And that's something that one shout out to all the communities out there that inspire people in tech to do stuff and create things. Um, that is why the pit community exists because I like making things. And I, re I realized a long time ago that if I put a bunch of people in a single place and just have them talk and I just sit there and listen, ideas just start flying and then I'm able to say, Oh, Hey, I can, I have the ability to build that. And, or maybe someone else will say, I really like that idea. Someone should build that or I have the ability to build it and then they build it. So I think that's really cool that the whole concept came from someone saying, there's this thing that a bunch of people do. They already have a way to do it, but wouldn't it be nice if there was a better way? to do it, or if there was a way to automate this process a little bit. And um, people sometimes give me a hard time because when I define like my area of expertise as a developer, I usually say I'm an automator. I, I say that like, you know, my goal is to do the things that I'm doing in a way that I build things that make doing what I do faster and easier on my mental capacity. Because as you can tell, I can get scatterbrained at times. If you ask my wife, she will tell me to do something 
And then 10 seconds later, I have already forgotten what she has asked me to do. So, um, so it is cool to, to have all of these ideas in a place and see things and, and to look at, okay, how can I build some kind of automation? And that automation in your case just happens to be a full fledged app. Yeah. You know, I didn't think about it before, but I think you're totally right that essentially it is automating a task that they were doing manually. So yeah, that's, that's an interesting correlation I hadn't put together. And, and I think that the, the world of app development will have to start doing that because we're, I mean, we're getting to a point now where everything is digital. Like everything is connected in some way, shape or form. Like I'm a bullet journalist and there is a bullet journal app. <laughs> like it doesn't make sense. Like I, I can't, I can't get myself to download it because I'm just like, wait a minute, writer, what, what are you doing? <laughs> like this is an analog format. Part of the beauty of it is that it's an analog format, but you understand there, there are limitations and that's how they market it is like, hey, have you ever tried to find something and you couldn't find it? So here's a companion app to your bullet journal. Just take a picture of the page, give it some tags, and then now you can search on those tags. And it's like, oh, that's pretty cool. I still don't get it, <laughs> but that's pretty cool. Yeah, and, oh, sorry, I was gonna say, and, and uh, a benefit to um, putting out an app that is more or less an automation um, is that, you know, you, you kind of have a built-in audience to market to. You're not trying to tell people this is something you should be doing. You're telling people, you know, this just is enables you to do what you were already doing, but faster and easier and better. The, the second part of that was the thing that also makes this interesting is because it, you built this kind of for a community, how did that affect your, I guess, your, your personal goals of the application? Because you always hear uh, developers talking about how like you can't you can't rely on I'm just going to build an app and become a millionaire off <laughs> it, or I'm going to you know build an app give it away for free and then put ads on it and make you know a ton of money from the ads right. for you like you made an app for primarily a single person who was part of a Facebook group so to me the goal was more like does the Facebook group think this app is good about, you know, like I built this for this group of people. If that group of people are happy with it, the people who aren't in that group, I don't know how I necessarily want to support or whether I even should support uh, that group. And I think that's where developers do fall into this, this bad habit of putting way too much into their applications instead of just saying, maybe this app isn't for you. Yeah. Well, so, um, I I do ag agree with that, right? So um, there was a very specific audience that I was targeting with the app, and and it, it, you know knowing whether or not that audience accepts the app or not, you know thinks it's a good app and wants to use it, is was sort of the primary metric. Um, I would though say that um, the application you know is built to be a general purpose application. Anyone. Uh, can you know download it to their iPhone or their iPad and and use it? It's not meant specifically like you know you don't have to sign into Facebook and go to that specific group and like it's not that targeted. Um, and and something else that I would also say in terms of the expectations for how how the app would perform, um, one of the nice things about you know essentially building an app for a specific audience is you kind of have a sense of like, oh, this is a Facebook group with like, you know, 10,000 people in it or 20,000 people in it, you know, and knowing how many people download the app and, and use the app and, and continue using the app, you know, gives you a, a pretty clear sense of, you know, how like percentage wise, how, how, how good the app is and how, how valuable it is to those people, uh, as well as, you know, kind of provides a little bit of that initial like kickstart to actually get you know, that, that first little bit of critical mass, uh, for users of the app, you know, I'm, I'm confident that if I built this app or a similar app and, you know, stuck it in the app store and, you know, tried to kind of market it by posting it, you know, tweeting about it, um, they would not have, you know, nearly the number of downloads or nearly the number of users, uh, as, as there were, because, you know, there was an opportunity to essentially, you know, drop it right in the group, you know, say, Hey, everyone, Check out this awesome thing I built. 
you know, hope you hope you like it, um, and then kind of see the the, the reaction uh, from there. Um, so yeah, it, you know, it's. I, I would say that like building it for for a, a specific group also you know elevates or th- not the expectations but the hopes for for how how much it can uh, potentially take off especially early on. Definitely, and and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that you know, if I build a, a slay it for developers or if you want to build a slay it, and actually that I've thought about things like that. Like there needs to be like a hundred days of code, like companion app. <laughs> and I could see like, okay, just fork the code on slay it. And Hey, you know, you want to work on it with me? <laughs> hey, if, 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 if we can knock it out and put it out in a month or two, then I'm totally down. Cause I think that's a great, <laughs> a great idea. Nobody listening to this, take that idea from us. It's all right. <laughs> but I mean, and that's the thing is like no one, well, at least I would hope that like if someone came in and said, I like this, but at the same time, I can't view my events in it. And you're like, well, it's, I mean, yes, it has a calendar view, but it's not a calendar app. <laughs> like it's not a, it's not like, I don't, you don't, I don't think you're planning on adding the ability to create events and like getting location-based notifications on, oh, hey, don't forget, you got that meeting tonight. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, no, and, yeah. and maybe you do, I don't know, but. Yeah, I guess kind of what I'm trying to do both with When Did I and with Slay It is to try and essentially build features that augment that core functionality. Um, you know, so, you know, When Did I being like, you know, tracking, you know, when you do stuff. And so like what other information might you want to track and what ways might you want to view or analyze that information? Um you know, and with the with the goal being that, like, you know, the the, the core um, experience of actually using the app for that intended purpose is, you know, designed to be as optimized and as simple as possible. Same thing with Slay It. You know, we have some ideas for uh, expanding it. So, you know, I'm currently working on a way to not just track exercise and activity, but, you know, to have, you know, maybe five or six things in there that you might want to track and maybe you can provide custom things. Um you know, but ultimately sort of at the end of the day, the idea is like, you know, you open the app and then you tell the app, like, how'd you do today? Um, you can, you know, I did this or this and this, and then, you know, you're, you're off to the, off to the races. I guess I kind of like apps where you can just open them really quickly, take care of something and then just leave. <laughs> well, and I think that that needs to be the method of apps. I mean, there's, there's this psychology, especially in the uh, gaming app development world of, the longer I can keep that person in the app, the the more that I can, I don't know, track their location and then sell that location data for profit or feed them ads. And the more time, the longer that they're in the app, the more ads that I get to feed them. So the more money I make. Or or even or even just generally, I would say that, you know, there there is this idea that the more a user is using your app, like in terms of time you know, the better, you know, so you're trying to make changes that will opt like the will, you know, Oh, how can we get the user to use the app more often or use it for a longer period of time? Um, and you know, trying to optimize that metric. And what I'm worried about, for example, is there is this kind of, you know, rumor, I'm not sure if or when it will come to fruition, but this idea that like Apple really likes these, you know, subscription services, um, and you know, they've, they're coming out with one for games on iOS, um, called Apple arcade. And kind of what worries me is that, um, they might want to try to push this, like really start trying to push this for apps as well. Of like, Oh, subscribe to Apple apps plus or whatever. And then, you know, for $10 a month or whatever, um, you can then download and use all these apps. But how does Apple decide which apps get how much money? You know, is it just dividing by the number of apps within the subscription and then everyone gets an equal share? My guess is probably not. I'm guessing they'll probably give more money to apps that users spend more time in, which then, you know, if you're trying to build a utility app where the whole idea is like it actually it's beneficial to the user to be able to use it for as little time as possible, but still able to accomplish what they want to accomplish you know, suddenly that becomes devalued under a system like that. I I totally agree with that. But I think that Apple already has competition in that area. And like, I don't know, are you familiar with the, uh, the app set app? Um, I've heard of it. Yeah. I, I'm I'm not really sure of the specifics. So I'm, I'm a set up member and I pay $10. I think it's, it's either $10 or $12 a month, something like that. 
and it gives me access to 150 plus Mac apps for $10 a month. And when it first came out, it didn't have many, like, I would, I won't say great apps, but it didn't have like the leaders in their respective categories. It was always like the, well, you've heard of this, but here's the thing that's close to it. Um, but now like they have like clean my Mac 10, they have endurance, they have iStat menus. Um, I'm trying to find some other ones. Um, good friend of the show and someone who, you know, has been on the show a couple of times, Brett Terpstra, his apps, uh, Mart or Mart, I think Mark two is mm. a part of set app and some of the other apps that he's developing. Um, I've talked with him a, a little bit about maybe putting those apps under set app. And it's great because like PDF pen, MindNode, bartender, uh, better touch tool, Ulysses, which like they were under a lot of heat when they switched to a subscription model. Like all of these apps are included for one price. And the thing with that is the way that they price it out is set app. The company takes like a certain percentage off the top. And then from there, only apps that you have installed are entitled to the rest and it's equally divided based on how much time you spend in the app physically. And like you said, I, I love the fact that they are thinking about like, how can we make sure that everybody gets a piece of the pie? But at the same time, apps like Downy aren't designed, like it's it literally helps you download stuff. Like it, it's like a YouTube downloader. So it's good to to know that there are there are already people out there thinking about this problem of like, how can we cure the issue of having too many subscriptions and having to constantly buy so many applications. But at the same time, it does kind of worry me that some of the apps that I rely on the most are the apps that I use the least. Yeah. And I, I totally agree from a, 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 you know, a customer or a user perspective, you know, paying one amount of money per month and just getting access to this large library of apps. Um, you know, there's a lot of value in that. There's a lot of appeal to that. So I, I totally get that. Maybe I just need to, you know, pivot to making, you know, an app like a, like a note-taking app that a user needs to have open on their Mac all the time. So well, you know, you haven't had mine yet. We have enough of those already. Like, please don't. <laughs> true, true. Uh, and 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 with that, and again, these these Apple tangents, man. The after show is going to be bumping. <laughs> like, one of the questions that I had was, you have three apps on the App Store now. Like, what's the goal? Mm -hmm. Is it? hey, I'm just going to keep building apps and I'm going to maintain them all or I'm going to build apps, let them live their lifespan and then one day just take them off the, the store or just put a note on it that says this is no longer being maintained or like like what what is the strategy here? Is it just to build a portfolio? I'm, I'm, yeah, so, um, you know, my, my, my goal, at least in the near term, is to build a portfolio to be able to get a job developing uh, you know, apps as, as a profession full time, you know, um, and hopefully, uh, that will also give me the liberty and the time, you know, to maybe continue to develop the, the apps that I've already built and, and, and maybe others as well on the side. And that's, that's such an interesting thought. And, and the reason, you know, I, I thought about all of this stuff is, you know, we were talking earlier, small, simple apps that solve one problem are great. You know, they start off as an automation of sorts and then they become this whole tool that's great. And then slowly you can iterate on it. And um, as you mentioned, being able to say, oh, I remember doing this for this application. Let me look at that code and then build it for another. Are you worried that down the road when, you know, you get that job as a, you know, iOS developer for insert big company, big app here and you're now limited in how you can produce applications, whether it's a um, competitive thing where the company you work for maybe doesn't want you building other apps for either other people or for yourself. Another um, goal of these apps is to give me, you know, experience building things and using technologies that I can then take 
uh, to building future stuff. So um, I did slay it in a very compressed amount of time um, because I was able to lean on a large amount of the code that I'd already written for when did I. Um, you know, I'd already figured out how to do certain things. I'd already written code to do certain things and I could just bring that right over, uh, into the Slayin app. Um, and like, that's another goal of mine is to essentially, you know, not only have a professional portfolio, but also have something that I can dip into, you know, in the future when it's like, oh man, I, I need to, um, you know, get the user's location again in a future app. So, you know, let me look at the, you know, little interface wrapper that I built for core location, you know, maybe I can copy that over and modify it in some way. Um, you know, and if it turns out that this is a, a component that, you know, is, is very important to a, a large number of my apps, I can start thinking about bringing it, breaking it out into its own framework um, and just kind of like growing the stuff organically. Um, but having like one thing, you know, hopefully uh, feed another. So I guess what I'm asking is if your goal is to create things that help progress you to a point where you can work on a single app or application set professionally, are you going to be okay with giving up the idea that says this is like, or I guess being okay with the idea that these are the only apps that I work on? I've actually given that a lot of thought. Um, that is something that's kind of occupied my mind because uh, I do plan on doing the job search imminently. Um, and you know, it's always been a professional goal of mine to, you know, maybe it would be awesome to work for Apple someday. But, you know, as everyone knows, if you work for Apple, you can't have your own apps out there, especially in the App Store. Um, and, like, that's something where there's there's that tension there where, you know, it would be really cool to maybe kind of go there and, and to be a part of, of some of the stuff that Apple's building. Um, but at the same time, you know, you, you have to give up that that amount of personal freedom. Um, so, you know, I, I don't quite know what I'm going to do there. Um, one of the reasons why, um, Heidi and I are distributing when to die through her developer account is that, you know, if on the off chance, um, I do get a job at a company that really restricts my ability to, to kind of distribute that stuff, you know, on my own, you know, outside of, of, you know, the nine to five that I spend for, for them, uh, is that, you know, at some point she may have to uh, start exploring uh, or building the app with someone else. Um, and I'd, I'd rather have the app continue to exist and continue to um, improve, um, even if I'm not able to be the one that's, you know, writing the code to do it. I might have to step back into a sort of more advisory role. Um, but I, you know, at this point... I'm, I'm really conflicted about that because I would love to, like, I, I want nothing more right now, uh, than to take all this awesome user feedback and user suggestions and, and all these ideas that we have for the app, um, and, and to kind of build them and, and to take the app even further. Um, so yeah, no, it is something I worry about. Um, everyone listening, this has been a great conversation. We've already gone on tangents, <laughs> okay. so I'm sure that the after show is going to just be like ridiculous. Who knows? But uh, if you want to get all of that content, I mean, this has been a great conversation. It's been a great episode by itself. But if you want to get the, the <laughs> outtakes, the the Apple, you know, back and forth banter, I feel like we're on the same. I feel like we're on the same team, but at the same time, like we have very. Uh, different approaches to our to what we want to see which is kind of <laughs> cool i like that mm. and become a member today you not only get all the bonus content from every uh, episode that we've put out you also get access to our pit premium membership channel and in our slack community and you get the the bonus newsletter post that i put out that will often tell you about how pit as a business is doing and the adventures into um owning a business running a business uh doing the developer work for said business, um, a lot of that goes. And and also gaining some really good productivity insights from the other members. But go to productivityintech.com slash memberships for more information on that. But my last question for you before we wrap up is you've got these apps. You've talked about how you've had to put them under other people, 
um, just in case you ever get to that day where you're no longer able to work on the applications. Are there any plans to open source the the code base? I mean, are you able to open source it? Is that something? I, I'm not an iOS developer, so I'd like to be one day, but I, I don't quite know how that works. I mean, from like from a physical technical perspective, there there wouldn't really be any you know challenge to you know sticking it up in a public GitHub repo um, in terms of a legal um, you know kind of uh, license uh, perspective. I'm not 100% sure. Um, something about the apps that I've built so far is that none of them are using any kind of external third-party libraries. Uh, everything's just kind of using Apple's framework. So I wouldn't really imagine there's any issues kind of sticking that stuff up there. Um, that said, I, mean, I hadn't really thought about it. Um, uh, so probably, probably not. Um, I kind of think that the value in these apps is sort of them as products and not really necessarily them as technologies. And there's not really, probably, I don't, I don't know, but there's not really anything like groundbreaking under the hood. You know, it's just a lot of, you know, plumbing, getting this from here and here and updating this and, and that kind of stuff. Um, you know, and so there isn't any reason why, you know, a skilled app developer that, that would like to build a, a competitive app, um, you know, would, would have any difficulty doing so. Um, so probably not. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, uh, and again, again, I'm, I am one who has never put an app out on an app store and most of the, the quote unquote apps that I build are often for me. Mm. So it's like, Hey, if you want to, if you want to go and sell this, then be my guest. I don't want to have to support it. So therefore I have no desire to do so. Yeah. Um, and I would guess, you know, for, for you know, for, for the web stuff, cause I've done web stuff in the past. Um, you know, it's very common that, you know, if, if you want to have something that someone can download and run on their website, it is essentially already in source code form. So there really isn't a, a large distinction between, you know, the distributing the application um, and making it available under like an open source license other than kind of the actual licensing part. Um, you know, I guess I mean, maybe this would be more akin to like you, you, you build a web app and you, you, you know, start up a server and, and you know, you start, um, getting users on that particular service and then, you know, deciding ultimately, uh, that you want to open source, uh, the, the code that's running that service. Um, but that the value the you know, I guess in my, in, in my sort of view that the, the, the primary value is sort of in, in the things being a product themselves. Um, and you know, if someone wants to copy it, um, I don't think that having the source code would make that that much, you know, easier, <laughs> you know, like it's, I, I just don't think that that's the hard part. Like, I think, I think the hard part is, um, you know, trying to figure out what you want to build, how you, you know, um, how that should be built. Um, yeah. Marketing it, you know, getting feedback from users, handling, you know, um, feature requests and, and bug reports and, and that kind of stuff um, versus like the actual kind of, you know, open underlying technology. Well, and I think having the app under someone else's name, ultimately it, it puts that not necessarily the responsibility on them, but there is kind of a defined, um, I guess a, a defined line as to like, I am the developer for this app. This is your mm -hmm. app. Your name is on the app. The, the money that goes into the account goes to you and then you pay me for the services that I have rendered for it. And sure. at that point, it now enables you to just work on the app itself. You don't have to worry about user feedback if you don't want to. You don't have to worry about um, marketing and marketing budgets and advertising models and subscription, you know, tiers and things like that, if you don't want to. And, and the good thing is the people that you've worked with all sound like they want you to be a part of the application building process, which is good. But at the end of the day, it is their app. Except for Slay, which I think is... It is, it is for now. I mean, you know, they're like, I, I, you know, I... 
I find it interesting. Um, like the fact that an app is under my account or someone else's account, like to me, these, these feel like, you know, equal collaborations and, you know, whose account it is on ultimately and whose bank account it goes into ultimately, you know, it's almost like an implementation detail. Um, and, you know, it, it made more sense for, uh, for when did I to go under Heidi's account for a number of reasons? Um, you know, some of which I've already mentioned others, which are just like, this lets me sort of hand off to her more of the responsibility of actually, you know, maintaining the app as a business. Um, so, uh, you know, that, that sort of like reduces my role in some of those areas, uh, intentionally. Um, but yeah, like it's, you know, I guess there is that dividing line where like, you know, the app does have to be on someone's account, you know, either it's mine or theirs. Um, but to me that line, like w where it falls, uh, in relation to that line, um, isn't, doesn't really impact how I work on the product, how I view it. You know, I still, I still have a, a huge sense of ownership over all the apps that I've built. I'm enamored with the idea of creating things for the sake of creating them because they need to be made. I don't necessarily care if I make a million dollars off of it. Um, one, I remember you kind of uh, mentioning this, this uh, particular point when you were talking with Heidi, uh, and then obviously you brought it up a moment ago that like, I, I almost feel that maybe you've given it more thought than I have. <laughs> I ultimately open source all of the things that I do. And it's not because, you know, like you said, a lot of this stuff is stuff that people could figure out. It, I mean, smart people can figure out, mm. but I want, I want to remove all possible barriers yeah, I... to making them or to helping them. And whether I'm the person that helps them or whether it's, you know, dev.2 creates the 100 days of code app or whatever i don't i don't personally care as long as my family's taken care of and as long as you know the thing exists yeah that's a that's a perfectly valid approach too um and i it may be different you know in in a vertical kind of like that where you know, there can be, you know, a hundred different websites that all sort of do slightly the same, you know, roughly the same thing. Um, but it just sort of depends on kind of which one gets traction. Um, I mean, again, there's not really any reason why there can't be a hundred apps on the app store that are, you know, more or less based on the same code base. Uh, I do think that Apple kind of frowns on that. Um, but I, I also think that, um, it's, Maybe maybe there's kind of benefit to sort of having just one place, um, like one app that everyone can kind of come to and use, as opposed to kind of uh, diffusing that out amongst all of these other, you know, essentially clones or, or essentially re-uploads of, of open source projects. I would just say that, like, you know, earlier I said, you know, that I, I, I was kind of surprised uh, about why you were, you know, had sort of like brought up the idea of like, you know, this is under Heidi's name versus this, this is under my name. Um, and I, I did sort of come up with a, with an answer to that, um, after I had sort of said that I could, I couldn't possibly think of it. Uh, and I think that the, the, the difference is, uh, some people, uh, get into the independent, um, software development business to build their own businesses, in which case, having a business that has your own stuff underneath it, uh, is very important. And like having ownership of like, I built these things, I'm now distributing them. Um, and, and like, I'm building like my business as a brand. Um, whereas sort of me, for me, I, I sort of take the more like product development approach of like, I, I just want this thing to exist. Um, and whether or not it, it exists under my name or someone else's name or, you know, what the business relationships are, um, is sort of like, all in service to actually helping that, that thing that, that we want to build actually exist. Definitely. And as someone who's probably somewhere right in the middle of those two areas, like I want to build things and just, I just want them to <laughs> exist. But at the same time, I want to also kind of build a business around it. Like I, I totally get that. So this has been fun. We've got an after show to get to, but before we do that, please let everyone know, like if, if they're trying to talk with you and learn more about your views on Apple or Swift development or, or anything, <laughs> or even about your apps, where, how can they get in touch with you? Sure. Yeah. So, um, probably the best place is Twitter. So I am on Twitter. Um, it's Kyle Cronin, K Y L E C R O N I N. It's my name. Um, I'm not super active. Um, it kind of comes in, in spurts. Like I was really active for WWDC. Um, 
I've kind of find it, found it a little difficult to, to catch up on Twitter <laughs> nowadays. Um, but I'll, I'll occasionally post stuff. Um, I would I would encourage people that you know if if when did I or slay it or hey even if activity glance sounds like it might be interesting to you, um, you can check those out on the iOS App Store. Um, slay it and activity glance are free, and when did I is uh, an upfront two ninety nine. You've been listening to my conversation with Kyle Cronin. I hope that you've enjoyed it. Again, this is a really hard conversation to edit because there was just so much value in it. I really enjoyed talking to Kyle and Kyle is actually in our Slack channel. So if you want to talk to Kyle or some other developers who are focused on being more productive throughout their day and helping one another be accountable for their goals that they're trying to achieve, then head over to productivityintech.com and click on the community button and join our Slack channel. It's low volume and everyone there is friendly. You will not be upset that you did that. And of course, if you wanna get the entire conversation, then while you're at productivityintech.com, hit that memberships button and become a member today. You get access to special groups inside of the Slack channel, as well as a direct line to me where I connect with you at least once a week to see how things are going in your grind in whatever it is that you're up to or doing. And I also reveal a lot about what is happening behind the scenes of productivity in tech. You hear the podcast, but productivity in tech is also a business. We are helping developers create content that they're proud of, that you can learn from. So if you want to learn more about that, you got to become a premium member. That's at productivityintech.com slash memberships. A shout out to Nadir Omawali for the use of his music, A Hustler and Spider Myself. I'm at KJAY Miller, and of course, you can keep up to date with what's going on in the pit realm at prod underscore in underscore tech. That's going to do it for this week. I'm already excited for the next conversation, but you're going to have to wait for that one. But for the Productivity in Tech podcast, I am Jay Miller. I hope you've been productive. Take care.